Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this week are freelance German football reporter, Alex Schaefer, GFFM writers, Eric Devine, and Philippe Bargil. In a weekend filled with epic sporting storylines, it looks like we might just have another thrilling finale in Ligue 1. The title race is as hot as ever, the European race is pretty topsy-turvy at the moment, and the relegation fight is turning into a real Royal Rumble. But before all that, and a look at the midweek European fixtures, here are the latest headlines. Liga was back in action Friday as things kicked off with Nice recording their third straight win, 2-1 at Lille with Mario Balotelli recording a brace, a result that sees them need just one more win to clinch third place and Champions League football next season. Monaco were also on the road winning 1-0 at Angers in a nervy encounter on Saturday afternoon. In the multiplex, the relegation battle has been whipped into a frenzy with each of the bottom three winning. Lorient's 4-1 win at Lyon was arguably the most surprising result, even with the hosts likely distracted ahead of Thursday's visit from Besiktas. But Les Merlus were not the only side to book trends as Nancy scored three goals in a league match for the first time this season, knocking back an injury hit Ren 3-0 at home while Bastia kept themselves in the conversation with a 2-1 win against also relegation-threatened Dijon. Bordeaux got back to winning ways, moving ahead of Marseille, as Valentin Varda netted a brace to lead the hosts past Mets 3-0, while Montpellier ended a five-match winless run with a 2-0 victory at Caen. Sunday offered less in the way of well, excitement, at least, as Marseille's trip to Toulouse ended in a scoreless draw before not controversially were denied a penalty at Saint-Étienne, settling for a one-all draw. Sunday's final match had Gangomp falling 4-0 at the Parc de Prince, the hosts keeping the pressure on leaders Monaco with a brace from Edison Cavani. In Ligue 2, upstart Nîmes notched their fourth win in five matches to move to within a point of the playoff spot. While with the top two, Strasbourg and Brest only drawing, Lens have a chance to go second this evening at Ajaxia. And that's all for the news. But remember, for the latest headlines, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with a preview of tomorrow's Champions League tie between Monaco and Borussia Dortmund. For that, we welcome Alex Chaffer to the show. Thank you for joining us, Alex. Thank you for having me on. Delighted to have you. So Dortmund come into this tie after that tough 4-1 loss to Bayern Munich at the weekend. How much did that game and result take out of Thomas Tuchel's head, side ahead of this match? Yeah, not the best result to come into this game with. Um, but I don't think Thomas Tuchel and Dortmund were expecting much from the game beforehand anyway. I mean, Dortmund had a lot of injury trouble coming into it. You, um, they had the likes of Marco Royce, Sandro Schürrle, Kagawa and others all out injured. Um, so they had a young team, um, Usman Dembele was starting, as you all know, that the, the French teenager, he's obviously a, a pivotal player in the squad at the moment, but Pulisic and, and Paslaka, teenagers as well, were starting. So, you know, Tuchel said after the game that Dortmund had no chance against Bayern Munich, which became even more difficult after they conceded two goals from two chances in the first 10 minutes. But um, I don't think it's taken a lot out of them. I think um, what Tucker wants now is a response. That's that's what he needs now. He said that he doesn't want just these big names um, that have been missing in the last few weeks. He doesn't just want them back. He wants them to bring back that energy and that passion in the, in the team that they've sort of lost over the last few weeks. 
because um, it's going to be an incredibly tense, intense game against Monaco with um, a lot of attacking football. So despite a disappointing defeat, which sort of amplified the golf in class between the two sides at the moment in Dortmund and Bayern, I think Tuchel and Dortmund are excited and determined ahead of this Monaco clash rather than sort of dwelling on the result that's obviously a big disappointment from the weekend. Yeah, and let, let's talk about their recent form because it's been relatively up and down all season. They're currently fourth in the Bundesliga behind a couple of real surprise packages, really. Um, it, they've been a little bit weak in defence, although obviously their attack with the amount of young players and, and great for, players going forward has been relatively strong. Have they got a strong enough defence to really deal with someone like Monaco, especially with that home game first and the way goal has been so crucial in Champions League ties? Are they strong enough at the back? Um, it's very difficult to say because Dortmund's way of playing is much like Monaco's, um, where they sort of go into games thinking we're just gonna, you know, score more than the opposition. Um, they've been playing, they've been trying a new system at the moment in the last in the last few months in this season with sort of three central defenders at the back. Um, they've been swapping around between Socrates and Bartra, and Ginter's been playing there as well. But fans aren't too sure about Matthias Ginter. He might be leaving in the summer, so there's a bit of concern about that. Um, so, yeah, as you said, they've had a very up and down season and it's resulted in them conceding more goals than they would have wanted to. And that's why they're one point behind Hoffenheim in, in, in fourth place at the moment, which will only get them a playoff Champions League spot. Um, so I think Dortmund, they're very, they're very, very good at home. They're unbeaten in, I think it's 34 games at home, um, which is an incredible tally. Um, so at home... Um, with that, that fan base behind them, um, they certainly care a lot less about defence and more about attack. So I think for them, for Dortmund, against Monaco, it's going to be a difficult task because they're a team that are playing in, in a very similar way, which doesn't happen very often to Dortmund at the moment. So much attacking talent. Um, I think Dortmund will probably concede a couple of goals, but um, they've, got the, they've got the talent and ability up front to, to outscore Monaco as well. So um, I think Tuchel will just be hoping that a bit of experience between Socrates and Bartra might might shine through, um, which hasn't been seen, as you said, in the last few weeks. Yeah, and just a quick mention on on player fitness heading in. There's uh, we've heard that Marco Royce is is back in the squad, ready for this game, and and there's a couple more that might be coming through back in the fold. Are, are Dortmund still at full strength, or are they they still missing a few ahead of this one? They're still missing a few. Um, obviously, it's been a huge topic of conversation for Dortmund over the last few weeks, and Tucker was talking about it again today. He said that it's looking better for Kagor and Weigel, who both missed out at the weekend ahead of tomorrow. Um, Lucas Pichet, they're going to see about training, which has just actually happened this evening. Um, Michael Royce trained with the team yesterday. As you mentioned, he looks like he's going to be back in the squad, um, probably starting from the bench. Um, the only players that are going to be missing out um, that might have been in with the chance of playing are Gonzalo Castro and Sebastian Ruda, who have uh, both missed out on training this evening. So not quite full strength, but for Dortmund to have Kagawa, Weigel, Pichek and Royce back is enormous. That, that can't go um, understated. Yeah, and it's not a bad choice to have someone like Marco Royce come off your bench when you start with Usman Dembele in front of him anyway. Um, as for Monaco, Eric, um, there's a couple of players missing, obviously. Jubal Sidibe is um, obviously missing through appendicitis and Bakayoko is suspended. How big are those two misses for Monaco, especially in a away fixture? Well, I think this is interesting. I think that this might be that rare occasion when Leonardo Jardim does, tend to, does take a more conservative approach. Uh, I've watched both of Dortmund's last two matches against Tom Berg last midweek and against Bayern. And my impression was, not having seen them too much in this calendar year, I, I've watched quite a bit of them in the group stages, that they can certainly be got at. 
and that pre that presents a I think Hamburg could have perhaps got something more out of that game had they been a little bit more clinical. I don't know if you'd disagree with that, Alex. You know, and, and Hamburg are again not a exactly a top level side in Germany. Oh, I'd agree with that completely, definitely. It was two late goals for Dortmund made it three nil. It was certainly not a three nil win for Dortmund and they really made it difficult for themselves. So, you know, Hamburg fighting against relegation at the end of this season, as they have been doing for like the last four or five years, um, definitely could have got a draw out of that game at the Signal Iduna Park. Right. So, I mean, I think that presents a real difficult choice for Leonardo Jardine. I think that with Bakayoko out and with Sidibe out, that you have an opportunity to play a little bit more conservatively, to have bring in Jao Moutinho and to, and to play Fabinho in a, who's the more defensive of the two central midfielders between he and Bakayoko, to sort of keep Dortmund at bay. But the question is, you know, given how important I think away goals could potentially be in this tie, is losing 1-0 or say maybe 2-1 to Dortmund and playing a more conservative approach necessarily the wisest thing to do if that if that if that were to come off as the result i, I think that would make things quite difficult for the return leg and i i think that uh, i think that jardim has to stick with stick with what he knows and and to continue to attack even if his personnel is slightly different uh, i know arsenal fans will have not too fond memories of Mami Torre in a previous champions league fixture 2 years ago when he was instrumental in uh, helping defeat Arsenal in that round of 16, 2015. So he's certainly capable going forward as well. Probably even a little bit better than City Bay defensively, at least positionally. He's certainly quick. He's perhaps not as physically imposing. But I, I don't think that Monaco really miss a beat. I think the inclusion of Moutinho is going to allow them not to be quite as dynamic going forward, but is going to allow them to operate with a bit more craft. I mean, Moutinho is someone who is has a better eye for a pass than Bakayoko, but is perhaps not as as disruptive of a presence in central midfield. So perhaps a little bit more possession-oriented for Monaco, but I don't think that they should take any opportunity to sort of dial back the intensity of their attack. Philip, I wanted to talk about Bakayoko again and also the likelihood that Moutinho will be the one to replace him. Obviously, it was the other central midfielder in that Coupe de la Ligue final in uh, Fabinho that was replaced and they really struggled in that midfield area. Are you worried that without Bakayoko and having someone like Moutinho in there that it, they might lose something against a team that's so uh, good going forward as Dortmund? Well, first of all, just like Eric, I do believe that um, Jalim does does need to uh, think long and hard about his game plan uh, and not just play his regular regular game of, uh, oh, well, we've got a great team going forward, so we'll probably score lots of goals and he's hoping um, we'll score more goals than the opposition, which is what happened against Manchester City, which is what happens basically every every weekend this uh, this season. I also agree on the fact that uh, CDB won't be sorely missed. Um, I think he actually hasn't been that uh, um, not that great in the in the past few weeks. So uh, not exactly great news for for Dortmund. I think Tour is a is an okay um, understudy and he can he can do he can do the job. Um, and regarding that, I would still want Monaco to play. Uh, some kind of a some kind of a four three three with uh, Fabinho and uh, Moutinho being uh, not as uh, adventurous going forward as they um, as they usually are, or rather having a, a, a rather less attacking four four two uh, that Jardim usually usually uses. I mean, we have this Dortmund side who I believe uh, just like uh, just like uh, haven't watched Dortmund that all that often. 
um, this past season. I do believe they play with um, with a uh, with a back three and um, five five guys in midfield, uh, notably with Dembele, who started the season on the wing and now playing in central midfield, I believe. And this is very uh, a very strong, uh, shall we say, formation to play against a four four two, especially if Jardim thinks that you know I can play with two strikers up front and uh, at least we'll score at least we'll score a couple of goals. I mean, this type of thing just doesn't work over 90 minutes this is what that's my big worry that's really is my big worry um but yeah i do believe that if um moutinho and fabinho play quite uh, quite tight then monaco maybe won't be conceding uh, five or six goals this time which i which i hope, really hope they don't and there's a million people at home hoping that both of them do i think at the moment <laughs> uh, and Alex, I wanted to talk about, there's a plenty of young players you could pick out of Borussia Dortmund at the moment with the amount of incredible signings they've had. But there's one relatively homegrown talent in Christian Pulisic who's been really glinting in the eye this season recently. And, and is he in possibly for a start? And, and if he does, is he someone who could be really make an impact for them? Yeah, he's he's likely to start, I think, because of the injury worries. As, as you've said already, the, the formation sort of set up for now with Dembele playing a more central role. Um, which he's expected to do as well with Pulisic starting from the wing, um, and he's just been a revelation this season. He hasn't he hasn't particularly played well in every single game, and he hasn't exactly you know lattered the um, transfer uh, the transfer the the stats, but he's he's made an impact in every game because of the way that he attacks. He's the, exactly the kind of player that Dortmund love to have and Tuchel wants to have in this formation. Um, this sort of front five, you could say, uh, with Bam- Aubameyang at the top. They want all the this, this, this line of four midfielders, they want them all to get forward and, and, and produce and, and sort of have that freedom to be able to show what they can do. That's why Osman Dembele has been so impressive because um, because of the way that he can play with his feet. Marcel Schmelz has said that the Frenchman, it doesn't look like he has hips sometimes in training because he's so skillful. But for Pulisic, it's mainly because he's so... So low to the ground, he's got a very low centre of gravity. He's very difficult to take the ball away from. He's quite strong, actually, um, in a challenge as well. Um, and he just loves to run at opponents, which is what I think Tuchel loves most about him. He, he has no fear, even though he's a teenager, um, coming over from America as well at a young age to join Dortmund. He's coming to the team this season. He's been fantastic. So, um, yeah, he's likely to start. And, um, you know, he's, he's always a threat because he has no fear. Yeah, and don't have to keep reminding us about Dembele. We're still crying over here about missing uh, his wonderful antics. As as for Monaco, uh, Eric, the the attacking options get a little bit interesting with Falcao returning at the weekend. But the one that's on everyone's lips really is Kylian Mbappe, Lotan. What's the mixture of those two or Valé Germain that, that you would play at the weekend? Do, is it something more conservative with Germain and and Mbappe, or do you risk Mbappe and Falcao, or maybe more conservative with the Colombian and the Frenchman uh, Germain? I think it's tough to say. I, I was fairly underwhelmed by Germain, uh, both at the weekend and, and, and uh, in his last league match. But he was brilliant in the Coupe de France against Lille. Again, that's obviously as part of a rotated side. So I, I think that given his inconsistencies and given the form that both Falcao and Mbappe are on, I, I think that Jardim needs to opt for those two. I don't think there's any, any question of the matter both of them have a better ability to finish, and I think that if this is a match that does turn on one chance on one occasion, you're going to want to have players who whose finishing abilities are are of the highest level possible. And I think that that is Falcao, and I think that is Mbappe Lotan. Not only that, 
I think that we also have to look at how their styles differ, that Falcao is a little bit more of a, of a focal point, and that might force Dortmund just a little bit deeper in terms of contending with him, in terms of his static play, but also that Mbappe Lotten offers so much more on the counter with his pace and his ability to cut inside from the wing as well. He generally tends to play a little bit wider on the left than, does, than do either Germain or Falcao, and that, that'll allow Monaco to stretch play laterally as well as vertically, which I think is something that shouldn't be underestimated, particularly if Dortmund do end up playing this three at the back. Uh, spaces in behind those those wide midfielders is going to be very key, I think, to Monaco's chances of, of getting anything from this match. So, yeah, I don't think there's any question that Falcao and Mbappe Latin get the start here. Yeah, and that, that full-pack position will be the important bit, getting in behind those areas. Uh, Philip, uh, uh, just as a bit of a side at the moment, it, this is going to be a really good game, isn't it? I know it's being uh, listed as maybe the hipster quarterfinal in a sense, but these are two attacking sides that could put on a real show, couldn't they? Yeah, uh, most of the people I've talked to were, would say that uh, this game is going to end six-five or something like that, and not even not even on on aggregate, um, given how uh, how uh, adventurous they are going forward. Um, I do. Uh, I I actually don't think that Jardim will be uh, that cautious uh, tomorrow evening, and that uh, Dortmund do score do score a lot of goals. Saying this, I do I do think that they're probably not as lethal as last season, and I think that um, they have, if you look at their goal-scoring record in, in the Bundesliga, they have Obama Young, who who is uh, is lethal up front, uh, with 25 goals, and then it's it's pretty much a bit like PSG, really, when you have Cavani, and then you have the others, you've got uh, Dembele with six goals, and and then you have. Uh, a lot of players with uh, two, two, three goals. So I think the uh, the major factor will also be about shutting uh, shutting Aubameyang, um, Aubameyang up. And I'm not, I don't know, I'm not quite sure what happened this summer, or is it maybe Tuchel with a second season syndrome, uh, Alex? But I, I do, I do reckon that Dortmund are less, you know, uh, goal happy this season. Not sure if that makes. You know, if, if that's the ongoing... Uh... Yeah, with other players getting involved, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, to be honest, I think it's just the way that um, the way that they play where they sort of... I think the main focal point of Dortmund's attack is getting wide um, and getting crosses in, these sort of low crosses that dart in towards Aubameyang and just sort of cause mayhem in the box, really. Um, I think... I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm 100% correct, but I'm pretty sure that 20, all 25 of Aubameyang's league goals have come from within side the box. He's just that sort mm. of attacker who um, will get on the end of crosses or, you know, a, a cute finish or maybe a, a run through one-on-one -on -one and he'll take it into the box and, you know, have a nice finish. But um, the, the sort of focal point of all of Dortmund's attack is Aubameyang and his abilities to finish. Um, and, you know, there have actually been a lot of games this season where Aubameyang has, has not finished well at all. Um, mm. he's, he's had a lot of games where he's really come under fire, especially Benfica away um, in the last round of the Champions League where they lost 1-0. Um, he had three or four really great chances in the first half where he definitely should have scored. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it, it means that other players aren't getting involved as much. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, Dembele only having six goals as the second top goal scorer um, because there's no real sort of second striker. Adrian Ramos is gone now and, and Aubameyang is that focal point. So, um, so yeah, I think that's that's the reason why it's really come about because they sort of search for Aubameyang to, to finish off everything inside the box. He's just that kind of a striker. 
So basically what I just said is that um, I'm not saying that Monaco shouldn't be afraid of Dortmund, but that uh, they're probably not as fighting as last season. And I'm pretty sure that this comment is going to come and bite me in the ass in a couple of weeks. But I mean, are German football fans in general scared of Monaco? I mean, what's the general what's the general outcome? Is it uh, Monaco a good team? We need to be cautious, but we're still going to we still have more experience in the Champions League, recent experience, and that will uh, will progress. Or is it uh, is it uh, ultra ultra cautious because uh, there's Falcao, there's Bappé Lotin, there's uh, Bernardo Silva, there's uh, Thomas Lemar, and all these very very exciting players? I mean, are, are Dortmund actually scared of Monaco? I think. Before the Man City game, no one really sort of noticed it. I think um, there's, there's... Yeah, just like the rest of you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, um, in Germany especially, I, I mean, I've never seen any coverage of French football or any highlights or anything being shown on TV. I'm not sure whether there is any or not, but I haven't seen it. Um, and it's just sort of one of those leagues that sort of goes under the ride, radar. In Germany, it's the Premier League, Bundesliga, and mm-hmm. a little bit of the Spanish leagues. But, but that's mm-hmm. it, really. And so... Um, the only chance they really get to see the French teams is through the Champions League. Um, and I think, as you said, um, Germany and the rest of Europe stood up when they beat Manchester City um, in the fashion that they did and then sort of mm. noticed, oh, wait, they're actually you know, top, of the, top of the French League and they're doing really well. So um, it's not just this one game. So I think um, you know, Dortmund have, will have done their preparation. I think the fans um, haven't heard or seen much of Monaco um, this season which is sort of expected when, when the coverage just isn't that big in Germany. But the, the team, Tuchel's spoken a lot today about how, how much of an admirer he is of Monaco and how they had, they had a big meeting tonight, apparently, about um, how to combat their attacking play. Monaco's attacking play, that is. So, um, you know, they, they understand the threat and um, I'm sure the fans will, will see it in full force over these two legs. Well, I really um, I'm quite... Sorry, Nathan. I'm, okay. I'm quite... Um, wary of is um i'm not i'm not sure if dortmund do um uh will treat the uh dfb pokal semi-final as seriously as they did uh of the uh, of their classica on uh, on saturday which was not very seriously uh but uh champions league uh, looks pretty uh, pretty sorted for them anyway because they're just one point behind hoffenheim and uh of course as it was a finished third so they don't have to have the added pressure of playing a playoff uh in august but uh, yeah, their league is pretty much over. I mean, those last six games aren't uh, much. Whereas Monaco, the, the last, um, uh, I think it's six game as well. Yeah, it is six game. Um, they have to win everything if they want to win the league, which makes a bit of a difference, you know, in uh, in how each each of the sides are going to approach this game. And this is this is what scares me. This is made made fall into Dortmund's uh, hands because this is this is massive for Tuchel. I mean, is best biggest game of his career yet um, um that's a diff- very difficult Sorry. question i think um obviously he's coming to dortmund and you know as you mentioned no one's been able to catch Bayern this season i mean leipzig put up a very good fight throughout the first half of the season to finish um the first mm. half of the season the top um but that sort of top four is set now in germany um it just depends obviously as you mentioned where hoffenheim or Bayern are gonna uh, dortmund sorry are gonna you know, fifth, third or fourth. Um, but, you know, this is part, r- right now, this is, I think this is the biggest month, I would say. I'm not sure about mm-hmm. the biggest game, but the biggest month in Tuchel's career for Dortmund. Um, he's got nine games in the month of April. This is, I think, I think this is the fourth game. Sorry. <clears throat> and um, 
you know, it's a huge month, especially with these injury problems that he's got. So um, for him to be able to combat not, you know, not losing too many, too much ground on Hoffenheimer in fantastic form, they just beat Bayern as well. Um, not losing too much ground on them and trying to get past Monaco, it's, it's massively important for Dortmund. Yeah, because the return game is on. It's in two yeah, weeks. No, yeah. yeah, it's in two weeks. So you, yeah, Dortmund have uh, loads of time to, yeah, right. recover. Recover, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> well, yeah, I, I banged on the uh, Monaco drum being the best team in Europe back in December, but no one listened to me then, and that's not a surprise. No one ever listens. <laughs> Uh, thank you Alex for, for joining us this evening um, everyone at home follow me Alex Chaffer on, on Twitter he's always a, a great read and a great listen thank you for joining us mate pleasure and good luck for tomorrow guys <laughs> good luck to you as well <laughs> at least it's a nice friendly end to it at least yeah. uh, <laughs> let's move on now to uh, Liga action and there's another side in European action this week at least and as uh, Leon are taking on Besiktas but before we talk about the game itself Eric how important is progression now for the Europe League for Lyon with almost with them almost mathematically being out of that Champions League on fire a third place finish in Liga? Uh, I guess I guess I'm, I guess it's hard to say in terms of importance. I mean, importance for keeping the players, importance for the team's progression. Uh, I, I guess what what sort of angle? Are you, are you go for all of those angles? Yeah. <laughs> sure. So I, I, I think I think that given Manchester United's sometimes inconsistencies, although not not in not in the Europa League to, to a large extent, um, Leon have to fancy their chances in this competition. There really aren't a whole lot of other standout sides. I mean, Schalke have looked good as well, but they they're certainly. I think I, I certainly thought that Roma were one of the best two teams along with Manchester United in the competition. And yeah, it was nervy, but Leon went through. That was, that was really impressive. So they have shown that they can get things done in this competition and winning. It's not out of the question. So I think this needs to be the focus. I think that realistically you'd have to go back to Leon. I think probably losing, losing away to Caen to, as to as to when I thought their chances of getting third were third were gone, I mean I, I know Connor can be tough at home, but that was back in early February. I want to say they lost three uh, two, and I, I think from that point on the gap has been seven six six or seven points or more, and it's grown and it's grown. You know Nice have dropped points at at times. I think about that match against Nantes the other week, uh, but Leon have consistently failed to capitalize. I, I think that their focus on Europa League has been warranted uh, given how open the competition this is this, is this year. And I, I think that I'd be exceptionally surprised if they slip below fifth. Uh, I think Bordeaux still have half a chance of catching them in fourth. But I, I think that a focus on the Europa League is what's, is what's best. I think that we should probably consider Lacazette gone, Genesio gone in the summer. But to attract a necessary quality of player to replace Lacazette, necessary quality of manager to replace Genesio, an improvement that is. I think that Champions League football is going to be a huge attraction. I'm not saying that Europa League, Leon will be a seeded team in the group stage if they finish fourth. It isn't the end of the world, but with that as a carrot to dangle, their chances of them keeping a player like 
Saquon Tintalisso has also been on the move. That that's gonna that's gonna make that their chances of doing that that much better. I, I think we've we've come to realize that you know a player only has you know perhaps ten or twelve seasons in which to in w- which to reach some level of success. And so even if you're Corinthians Alisso and you're 20, 22, 23 this summer, your chances of playing in the Champions League are you know, no sure thing. You know, unless you're playing for a Paris Saint-Germain or a Bayern Munich, a team that's going to dominate their league every year, there's there's a, a real opportunity there that can be fleeting. And I think that these players have been good servants to Leon. And if the club can't continue to offer them Champions League, it has to be faced with the reality of being forced to let them go. So it's incredibly important. I, I think that third place in the league has been gone for a long time now. And this is a chance to, you know, get a major trophy, make a statement, and to continue on with, you know, uh, I think they're somewhat halting at times um, evolution. I think that we've seen this club ebb and flow from looking back 2009, 2010, when they were spending $60 million on players, bringing Lissando, Lissandro, Alex Sissoko, Yohan Gorku, Jimmy Briand, Ederson. You know, not all these players worked out, obviously. A lot of them didn't work out. But there was a level of ambition at that, at, that, at that point that was focused on bringing veteran players and improving what was already a good side consistently in the knockout rounds of the Champions League. But that ended up hamstringing them financially, and now they had to go back to basics, you know, relying on these young players who have come through for them by and large. I think that even, even players like Rashid Ghazal, who has who's been someone on the fringes of, of the team, have been useful. Feliso and Lacazette, certainly. We've seen Diakabi, the now departed Mtiti. That, that reliance on these younger players has been rewarded. But in order to keep that team going and keep that upward trend going, now that we've, we've got this Chinese investment, the purchase of a player like Memphis Depay, his performances aside, show a decent level of ambition. And I think that in order for that trend to really continue on the arc that the club wants, that Jean-Michel Lalas, the chairman, wants, Champions League's really important, and Leon have to put all their focus on, on this competition because they do have at least a puncher's chance against any, any team left in the competition. And as we've seen, you know, knockout football, oh, results can often surprise us. Let, let's talk about... Um, Leon and this fixture now then and, and Philip with the French side being at home what do they need to get out of this to have a positive result especially with you know a, a trip to Turkey if you're in behind it could be a, a really difficult situation to be in so what did Leon need out of this game on Thursday I think a, a quite comfortable uh, two to three even four goal difference win would uh, would probably do the trick uh, I'm not uh, um, we we talked. We just talked about Borussia Dortmund, where we all of us watched a couple of games. I mean, I haven't seen Besiktas play at all. Um, I'm not uh, quite uh, sure what the uh, level of Turkish football is, but there's not much. Um, there's not much uh, um, Turkish side in in Europe, so uh, chances are it's not it's not quite good. But um, we we said we said a couple of weeks before with Eric. I mean. 
I'd be really disappointed if you got knocked out at this stage of the competition. I mean, extremely disappointed. Because once you once you get past that, you've got the winner of Anderlecht versus Manchester United, you've got the winner of Celta Vigo. And to be honest, I, I would I wouldn't, you know, unfancy Lyon's chances against Manchester United. It depends where Manchester United would be in the Champions League. You've got the winner of Celta Vigo versus Genk. Again, wouldn't I would fancy uh, Lyon against either of those sides and the winner of Ajax versus Schalke. Again, yes. So this is basically a statement to say that Lyon are still in Europe and uh, the only side was Marco to still be in Europe. We're quite lucky to have a club in uh, at this stage of the competition um, in the Europa League. It hasn't happened in ages, absolute ages. I think the last one was Marseille back in 2004, or maybe. Lyon were uh, in the quarters and they lost to Juve in 2013-14. 2014. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I just, I just think there's there's something to to do there, and this is where Lyon uh, do need. I mean, I, I would love them to win the Europa League. That would mean uh, Champions League football and keeping keeping those those talents. Because I don't know, but without the without this uh, Premier competition, without the Champions League, I mean, Eric, aren't you afraid that you are going to get pillaged this summer? Every single decent player is going to leave. I, I I am, but if they can find a replacement for Lacazette, I'm not that worried. Honestly, I think that Nice are are going to struggle with the Champions League if they do qualify. They did struggle with the Europa League. Um, Balotelli might go. Ricardo Pereira is only on loan. You know, there's no guarantee that they can continue that level of success. Monaco might face a similar thing. Uh, Marseille, I don't, even with Antonio Zubizarreta coming in, I don't believe that they can spend the money they have responsibly. Mm. You know, not might kick on, but I don't see any reason for Leon to have any expectation to that they would finish a little bit lower, that they would f- finish any lower on the table. And I think certainly an improvement's a real possibility, you know, given how well Leonardo Jardim, does he stay? You know, I think that there's a real potential for Leon to, as surprising as it may sound, even losing both Lacazette and Tolisso, if that happens this summer, that they mm. could kick on by giving more chance to younger players. Again, I'm not saying that replacing Lacazette is anything close to a given. It's going to be a huge challenge. I mean, to even identify a player that could deliver in the same way he does is a huge ask. But that being said, there's every chance that, that Leon can not only not be too negatively affected, but they can bring on. I mean, look at look at look, look at Tussart, right? This is a I think this is a player and, and Diacabi as well. These two young players, 19 and 20 years old, have come virtually out of nowhere. I mean, you know, Diakabi, they're both youth internationals, but I, I think that, you know, I, I, I had to recognize these players prior to the season, but I don't think that anybody, you know, anybody but obsessively on fans or players or people that are obsessive with, you know, French reserve sides had any awareness of these players. But this is the thing. There's continual quality coming out of that academy. And those players have continued to blossom when given their chance. Leon have continued to add in smart, canny buys of young players, the likes of Corne, Mamana in particular, I, I think come to mind. And I think that there is a level of sustainability there in, the, in, in this close program. And if they bring in, say, they sell, say, Toliso for 30 and Lacazette for 45, I, I think that you can spend two-thirds of that on a, a, a decent striker and use the rest of it maybe on a left back. That's another position I think they need some help with. And, you know, perhaps perhaps bolster midfield as well, maybe another another winger. And I, I think that Leon will keep clicking. 
You know, I think the manager though is, is the big thing for me. I, I think that they they need to really take a close look at who can get the balance right between giving chances to young players and making these making new players from outside the club fit into the squad as well, which has been an issue in the past few years. Because of course, by pillage, I meant yeah, basically uh, Toliso and and Lacazette, which I, I honestly hope they stay in in Ligue 1 because I don't. Yeah, uh, it would be a real shame to to lose those two. And I'm not even. I'm only speaking of uh, two very bright and um, very talented Lyon players. I'm not even uh, going to mention uh, a half of Monaco and his side. Mm, let well, let's go back to sort of the game at hand then now and. Eric, I wanted to get you on on who. Well, Leon have a lot of options really in those attacking areas, but who needs to start for you, and what style of formation does Genesio need to go for? Because he's mixed it up in the last few weeks and in different variations, and with varying degrees of success. What do you think is their best outlook? I think that in this match, uh, at home, they need to go for an all all out attacking approach, and I think that that's a four two three one with. Uh, Toliso played off played off of Lacazette, Valbuena on the left, and I I want to say Gazal on the right. I think that I know he's been a little bit petulant this season, but he offers more consistency, more quality on the ball uh, than do than certainly does Corne, who's a, a decent player. He's still young, but he's he's a bit of a pace merchant at this point in time, uh, and I think that. You know, we just haven't seen enough consistency from Nabil Fekir, particularly against top-quality opposition. Um, maybe Fekir is a, is a good option off the bench because he could play as a striker. He could play as an he could play in a number ten if Leon want to alter formations on the fly. But yeah, four, a four-two-three-one um, with Toliso playing playing as a as a second striker. I know that's not something we've seen a whole lot of this season. We had seen it when they played a three-five-one-one in the Champions League at times, and it was relatively effective. I mean. I think that Toliso is a fantastic player, but when he's played as part of a midfield two, uh, I think his talents are wasted. And I also think that not only are his attacking talents wasted, but it makes it just lowers the level of solidity in that defensive midfield a little bit too much. I much prefer Luca Tussart, who's a little bit more prosaic, but is more responsible defensively and more physically robust than his Toliso as a, as a partner for going along. So you mentioned Corne, and uh, to me, he's he's exactly the type of player that you'll have a young uh, young talent that uh, needs to actually uh, make a step up next season, if not uh, at the end of this season with the Europa League. But uh, next season just shows that you know he's been there for a couple of years now, and that he needs to uh, he needs to put his stamp on this on this side, just like maybe like as it did all, all those years ago, even though it's not you know exactly exactly the same thing. And we, well, we're all praying for Fakir. You know? So, I mean, f- fair enough. I mean, there, there are probably some uh, parallels to be drawn between Cornet and Gasol. I think Cornet had a, a great season last year playing on, the, mm. playing on the wing in a 4-3-3 once Genesio had taken over. He, he and Gasol flanking Lacazette. They were key to Leon picking up for him during the back half of the season to get back into the Champions League. But Lacazette, you know, if you recall, if you recall started as a winger. That was, they had a 4-4-2 double pivot. Uh, Lacazette was mm. usually on the left. Jimmy Brian was on the right, and the strikers were were Gomez and uh, Lisandro Lopez. So he is someone who has who started life as a striker and didn't really be or started life as a as a winger. Didn't really become a striker until until Lisandro Lopez left. So I'm not saying that 
I think that Lacazette's a lot more adept with the ball at his feet. He's also more responsible defensively. But I think Cornet could evolve into a striker. Am I saying he needs to be given a chance to replace Lacazette, Bart, you know, next season? No, I don't think that's the case. But I, I think that I think that there is certainly more potential to come from him. I mean, he is only, I think, 20 years old. I'm not sure when his birthday is. I know he's born in 96. So um, there's... Yeah, and that's and that's exactly the case. So, you know, Lacazette, when he was 20 years old, I think he'd you know probably scored four goals for Leon or something like that. I know he had that big goal in the Champions League against uh, Applewell, but he hadn't really done much in terms of raw statistics, especially when you look mm-hmm. at, at Cornet's progression from this point in time. Um, so, yeah, there is every opportunity for him to grow. I, I think that we can't really put too much in what Leon are going to do next season because without Lacazette, who knows how this team is even going to line up tactically. It, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of question marks surrounding this this season, and I, I think that Cornet is just one of them. He's a very intriguing player, um, but I don't think he's quite ready to, given Leon's aspirations, be a build as, as, as perhaps the main striker going forward. Mm. Let's get quick predictions then, Eric. Um, what do you think in this one? Two uh, one Leon. So a decent result, but I'm, I'd still be a little bit worried about the return leg. Philip? 5-2. <laughs> An exciting one. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going to be a, a little bit... Played one, but I've seen something like that. I've, 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 I saw Besiktas a couple of times in the Champions League, and I, I did see the second leg of their game briefly before uh, um, on uh, a couple of Thursdays ago, and I, I think they're not too bad. I, I think this might be quite an interesting game and slightly closer than we're maybe giving it credit for. I think it might be 1-1. That's going to be my sneaky one. And oh. Leon going nervously to Turkey, which um, is not always good to go to a place like that. It's a difficult place to go to and get any kind of result from. But let's get, sort of morph this talk into the relegation fight that went a bit crazy uh, the weekend. Because if you remember our talk of relegation a few weeks ago, well, completely disregard everything we said and because the form book went out the window a little bit. Uh, almost every side down that bottom end uh, broke the accumulators of everyone this weekend. And now there's a bunch of teams in real trouble, Philip. Um, let's talk about Lorient first, who won their third game in a row against Lyon 4-1. Um, that's pretty mental, isn't it? Yeah, it's an actually a nice little transition between a side who's in Europe who just got um, just got comprehensively beaten by a side who is trying to stay in in the country's uh, top top division. And actually, I mean, in 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 a way, I'm not uh, quite uh, surprised that Lorient offered some kind of resistance. But you know, winning four one, it's not exactly the same thing as offering resistance. So yes, this uh, the win at Nossi two weeks ago was uh, or was it three weeks ago? It was three weeks ago. Was absolutely pivotal. Uh, then uh, winning at home to Carl was uh, absolutely vital as well. But this was this. It's not like it came out of nowhere because Lorient are um, not a bad side and uh, they have their moments where they can defend well. They've got the defenders who have the experience and uh, Lyon have uh, this uh, kind of uh, defense that is uh, sometimes quite uh, quite leaky. Yeah, it's it's just it's just not this uh, type of result that you're not you're not 
completely 100% uh, surprised was because uh, it's a it's a side looking from the up uh, who want to who really want to stay up. They they're fighting for for their lives and they can pull out some one of those you know immense immense result. It does their goal difference uh, a, a lot of good. With with Lyon beating Mets in midweek. Uh, they're not the uh, worst um, worst goal difference in the league now. I do know Mets have a game in hand against PSG that won't be played in a couple of weeks. It'll be played in um, uh, more than, uh, in a bit more than a week from now. But Lyon are just now uh, two points behind uh, behind Mets, and uh, this could be this could be a, a massive turnaround. I'm not even talking about uh, Bastia winning at, uh, at at Dijon. That may may come. Um, May come on later, I assume, but uh, this this changes absolutely everything. And uh, there's a piece I wrote saying, uh, "Okay, uh, Nossi, Nossi and Bastia are going down. Uh, Lorient may uh, may make the playoff. Uh, the rest are safe. You know, just uh, don't listen to me, uh, because this changes absolutely everything. You've got uh, one, two, three, six sides in five points, and most of them with a quite similar goal difference. Only Dijon have a was it." Well, that's a decent goal difference in minus ten. It's, it's, yeah, it's getting absolutely crazy. Isn't it? Let, let's, mm. Eric, Eric, you obviously watched Leon's game against uh, Lorient, and let's talk about the away side who, who were really irresistible at times, and and they're finally starting there to find their attacking feet, where we have always said all season that's where their strength lies. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think that the players' quotes after the game mirrored that too. And in my piece in the Guardian, we had Benjamin Mukanjo and Arnold Wemba in, in particular, but also Jeremy Alliadier had a couple quotes after the game that it, it's a matter of self belief at this point. Bernard Cassoni, I know we haven't really seen him as being a exactly a a brilliant appointment for manager, but I think the same thing was thought about uh, for Pascal Dupraz coming into Toulouse last season. Uh, they're a player who, or they're a manager rather, whose reputation is not of the highest level, uh, but they've been able to assess what this team needs and push the buttons correctly. And playing that, you know, go 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 four four two attack was uh, really great to see. And and this is the thing that I think really makes you know football in, in Liga so special is that teams are willing to play attacking football to get out of trouble. And we've seen now, I have you know. Utmost respect for the leagues in Europe, but if we look at the a team like a Darmstadt, a Middlesbrough, uh, Granada, Sporting Gijon, they're uh, Palermo. There's a real <laughs> layers of negativity that surround that tend to surround teams at the bottom uh, in terms of the way the way they play. Uh, you know, I think Nancy are generally pretty negative, but. The rest of those teams, and Lorient are chief among them, I think they have the ninth or 10th best goal score total in the league, uh, are willing to play attacking football and take some risks uh, when the chips are down. And that's what makes, that's what has made and is making Liga such an a, attractive league this year. These teams aren't trying to defend and get 0-0 or 1-1 uh, results. They're trying to win. They're trying to win 3-2 or, or win 4-1 and, and, and play with a, not recklessness, but with a with a level of attacking intent that that fits that fits their needs at a given point in the season, and I, I mean we even look at a team like say Caen or Mets with uh, Czech Diabate having come into the side, and even they play with some level of ambition. I mean Montpellier or another team that are are down near the bottom could get sucked in, but are also incredibly attractive with uh, Riyad Boudabouz and the winger Jonathan Akone on loan from PSG. Now that he's back to fitness, he's another one. 
Um, almost every single one of these teams, save not see, but again, three goals of the weekend, are really attractive and really compelling to watch. And that attacking mentality is just a, a brilliant thing to see, and I, I, you know, long may it continue for the teams that are, that are down near the bottom. Yeah, and let, let's talk about Bastia now, Philip, and, and a team that a couple of weeks ago we said were dead. This was mm-hmm. a really big game against Dijon, another, another team in and around them. They managed to win. Not only that, away from home. Not only that, they didn't pick up a single booking in this game. Uh, is this a one-off for a team like Bastia this season? Yeah, or is, this may- is this maybe a start of something? Saying this, before Lorient's dramatic win at Nancy Suite 2, was it 2-0 down, um, Bastia were not losing at home, which was not the case of basically the, the whole of the second, um, the bottom half of uh, Ligue 1, which is, which is a good thing. I mean, uh, just, four, just four defeats is, uh, is not that big at all for, uh, for, for, for the club that's bottom of the table. I mean, even you lost more home games than, than Bastia. So there was always a chance that if they started to, if they kept not losing games at home, which they didn't because uh, they lost, at home too. Uh, it was uh, Lille, uh, the first defeat of 2017, I think, at home. Uh, they lost at home to Lille one uh, nil, and then you thought, okay, well, they're, they're down because uh, if they can't, if they can't uh, even get a point at home, then uh, they're, they're never going to get anything at all, and they need uh, roughly 40 points to to stay up. So there's no chance. And then you've got this win at Dijon, who who comes out of uh, which comes out of nowhere. It just uh, it's. To to me, it's um, I want to say it's a one-off because it's one of those crazy weekends where you say, okay, well, the uh, the, the sides that are usually uh, not good at all uh, are winning, uh, and uh, sides that are very hard to beat, like Dijon, um, lost at home, which is you know extremely extremely strange. And now Bastia have a have a chance. They don't have a, that bad of a goal difference. They're just three points uh, from that uh, playoff spot, with a better goal difference than uh, than Lorient. If you look at um, well, that's the thing though. If, if you look at their as they run it, they, they do have to play Lyon, Bordeaux, PSG, and Marseille, <laughs> which is not that easy, even on paper. And uh, their last home game is uh, at home to to Lorient. I still I'm still quite pessimistic about their chances of staying up. Um, and um, yeah, we shall see about uh, who finished nineteenth. But um, yeah, very very tough one, very tough one. How would you? Um, well, maybe it's a bit early to be talking about that, Eric. But uh, Bastia against Lyon. I mean, I is mean, there a worry there or a worry? A worry? A worry in what sense? Uh, for for Lyon, uh, not winning or rather losing. Uh. I'd probably say a one-one draw if if you asked me to pick yeah. the match right now. Uh, yeah, me too. I think that Leon's quote-unquote second string has been poor, and I know we had we've lauded Depay at times this season, but gosh, his like consistency is maddening, and it, it's you know without having a go-to attacking player, if you take off Valbuena and Lacazette as we saw at the weekend, there's just not enough there, and it's it's frustrating. Hmm. And it gets well. It gets more interesting, at least in the bottom of the table, because a side that we think uh, are incredibly negative in in a sense in Nancy score three goals for the first time this season against, admittedly, an injury hit. Uh, Ren Eric, where did that come from? I don't. Okay, so I, I I just hearing that word negative. I don't necessarily think that Nancy are negative. I just think they lack quality. 
I, mm. We saw a similar side to this back in 2014-15 when Lens won the division. Uh, Lens under, um, I believe that was Antoine Camboire at the time. It was, yeah. They didn't play negatively. They didn't, you know, seed possession. They didn't sit deep. They tried to play, but the, the quality of their strikers, I mean, I think Pablo Tavaria was the, was one of the main strikers at that point in time. The team also had a young Will and Cyprian. Uh, they they tried to play, but they just didn't have quality, and I think that's what we've seen with with uh, Nasi as well. I mean, you know, Dia had a decent game, but he's been hurt. Uh, Junior Dale, uh, Faitu Mawasa's come into the side and has looked pretty decent in recent weeks. You know, still some issues with discipline there, but uh, he's a fantastic player with the ball at his feet. So it's not that Nasi haven't been trying to attack. Uh, it's 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 been a matter of just quality, and I, I think that teams that do have quality in attack, when you watch them play, it catches the eye a little bit more because they are finishing those chances that they're creating. Whereas, you know, not I'm not saying Nasi or Monaco or their their Lorient in terms of getting at every single match in, in terms of trying trying to get a result, but they aren't. It's not a matter of negativity per se, but but really a matter of quality. And they're all, I mean, this team got to the Coupe de la Ligue semifinal. That's not a fluke. Right, um, so they do have a, they do have a certain level of quality about them. They've also struggled with injury uh, quite a bit, particularly in defense, and they've also had some flip flopping and goalkeeping, Asembe and Chernik out, et cetera, et cetera. So there's been some ulterior issues. It's it's not it's not again it's not a matter of trying, but I also think Renner, gosh, I don't know what's happened to this team. We had I mean we had Rich Allen Rubbish. on. We had Rich Allen about six weeks ago on the previous show, and we talked about how, some of his frustrations relating to how Renton had handled the transfer window. But, you know, he was saying, ah, oh, well, we've fallen out of fourth. Maybe you're a possibility. But now, I think Renton had the third worst attack in the league. Uh, Gorkus, you know, been able to, been able to, uh, Johan Gorkus been able to stay, stay fit on the pitch. And they've gotten a orthodox left back. Uh, it's, it's really a mess at, at that club. Um, so I, I think the Nazis real weekend was certainly a matter of circumstances based on their opponent, but it's not necessarily negativity, but a lack of quality that's, that's simply holding them back. They, they didn't really, I think for me, make the necessary investment in bringing players in to make them as competitive as perhaps they should be uh, to stay in Liga. Yeah. I think Ren, uh, the best I could describe them is a side that uh, if they have uh, a decent, a decent crowd to push them on, and that they playing against um, an adversary that isn't that bothered, which doesn't happen often in Liga. Then they may win the game, but as soon as they they fall against a side that has a target, then they'll just uh, roll over and just not be very good at all. Um, and this is every time I've watched them play, it's just been such uh, how easy it was to. Uh, discourage them of playing decent football this is i mean this they must they must win some kind of an award for that because it really doesn't look that hard to uh um, not lose against uh uh against him and saying about nossi uh korea did have this video where he said uh where he said that they had a worse squad this season than last season and maybe he has a point because longley was sold to severe and longley is not a bad defender um yeah, but, Chrétien has been injured quite a bit. 
Muratori, Kufo, the fullbacks, who I think he also had strong words for the. He also had strong words about the goalkeeper, but it, it wasn't the um, the first team goalkeeper, Shernik, who uh, who hasn't been quite as good as Andy Asambi, who's uh, quite um, an experienced um, shot stopper. Or you know, not uh, not too bad for this level. So I'm saying uh, uh, the way I see it is that Nossi didn't want to invest because they're not they weren't really quite sure if they were going to stay in in Liga. So, yeah, uh, I, I think I think uh, they they have these those type of bouts of uh, not not losing sometimes, uh, mainly thanks to uh, Pablo Correa's experience. Uh, but that uh, he's doing, I think he's doing a, a not a bad job with uh, with the with the batch of players he has. Mm. No, I, I would fully agree, and like mm. I said, the only point I might ding him on there is is Yusuf Benasser. Uh, I think that bigger things were expected of him this season. Yeah. I, I do think he's really regressed this season. I'm not even sure if he was in the 18 at the weekend. I mean, he's not really taken a he's really taken a step back from the player that Monaco bought last season. Mm. And that'll be an interesting follow. Uh, and of Ren, I think it might be a blow up in the summer and, and try again because no one's circling that Ren Leal game next weekend. That's for certain. Um, just to talk about one final mm. game around those teams at the bottom of the table, and that was uh, Montpellier Con. Even with a victory, really, for Montpellier, the first in five games, it's it sent Con further into trouble. But Montpellier aren't completely out of trouble, really, yet. Uh, Eric, are they both likely to be there and thereabouts in the summer? I mean, Con keep flipping between the switch of being out of trouble and then back into trouble, and they can't seem to keep any consistency. Um, Montpellier, I, I, I do hope they, I do hope they stay in the division, but I would probably worry for them quite a bit heading into next summer. I think that they did buy some intriguing players. Uh, Mabenza, I, I think, looks looks interesting. Uh, Keegan Dolly, Roussillon, Mukiele. They've, they've managed to, to get some decent players in as a squad, but that defense isn't getting any younger in, in Hilton and Congre. Uh, Budaboos will probably go in the summer. Ikone's uh, look good, but he's only on loan. I imagine they have a hard time keeping... Hold, hold of Mounier. So I would say they'd probably stay up. You know, the quality of a player like players like Mounier, Sessegnon, Boudibouz is enough in attack to keep them up. Um, but Khan, I, I, I might worry for. I think they're much more likely to get sucked in. They, mm. even with that 3-4-3, I think they've looked a little suspect in defense at times. Um, they struggle with injuries quite a bit themselves. You know, Ronnie Rodland had a great start to 2017. He sort of slipped a little bit in recent weeks. Ivan Santini, yeah, he's got, I think, a dozen, 13 goals on the season. But he's not. He's a player who's not uh, contributed with the level of consistency and and the level of all around play that we had seen last year from Andy Delore. So I think there's probably more working against Con than than Montpellier. Uh, Mets could also be in that discussion as well. Uh, but I probably would be the most worried about about Con of any teams outside of the current uh, bottom three. So they're certainly doing their most. Uh, you know, they're doing their best to be bad. If that mm -hmm. makes any sense, losing at Lorient, losing at home to Montpellier, um, just uh, not not being uh, they, they weren't in that kind of position where they they could have been out of the woods and and they did uh, they did have a, a nice decent set of results, winning at Saint Etienne, drawing at Nice, but uh, it's just those three defeats, no goal scored. They're really saying like, okay, we could get out of this um, struggle, but we just don't want to. It's just so I don't know. Because the chances are there. 
the chances are there, but uh, I, I honestly believe that uh, they they um, they were quite a bit lucky with the cup over that they had before, and that um, now everybody is uh, really up for it, and I mean absolutely everyone, and that uh, Com may be one of the least motivated sides to stay up. That's what that's what it reads. Uh, mm. That's what uh, when when you watch Com play. I mean at Lorient they were a man up for decent part of the match. I, I think I think it was. Lorient got um, sending off in the 49th minute from François Bulugou. It just uh, no, no, not much of a reaction, and, and Patrice Garn was absolutely fuming. He was absolutely furious, and it looks like the, he doesn't really has that kind of um, of uh, dressing room where the players just don't want to avoid uh, Ligue 2 or the playoff. Mm. Which is, you know, I could, yeah, I could see them actually finishing second bottom. Yeah, and there's two massive games at the weekend again. Mets are playing Col. That'll be important mm-hmm. for either of those two. And and Montpellier versus Lorient, if, if Lorient can carry on that form, that'll probably pull them out of that bottom three, at least, of the relegation playoff and drag Montpellier slightly closer to everyone again. Um, anyone willing to stick the neck out? But say can't playing away to Piaget on the final day, just saying. Yeah, not good. <laughs> so that's a banker, you know, it's, uh, they may lose this one. Anyone sticking the neck out name? Yeah, we could. Ha- yeah, we could have a surprise. Yeah, I agree. It's, well, I mean, let's look at this. Okay, Montpellier win against Lorient. They're thirty-nine points. I think yeah. they'll be safe. I yeah. think that's enough for them. Uh, yeah. Angers are already on thirty-nine. They're in good form. They probably won't get anything against PSG, but Lille, same thing. I can't imagine I'm not getting three or four points before the season ends. So, I think of the teams outside the current bottom three, yeah, again, Con are the, the most likely to get sucked in. They don't – they just look disinterested. I think I think that's that's a great way yeah. to say it, Philip. They're, and, and we've seen these other those, those four teams below them, Nossi, Lorient, Dijon, and Bastia, playing with a degree of motivation, playing with a degree of energy and focus and drive that we're not seeing from them, perhaps more than any other team in the league, save, save the likes of Gangump and Ren. And that – and that's, you know – Given the level of talent and, you know, each of those teams below them, you know, say perhaps not see, have players that have been in league on for a while uh, and have, have quality. I mean, you look at Crivelli and St. Maximin at Bastia, Dione and Tavares at, at Dijon, and a num- any number of players, uh, Marvo, Mkanjo, Waris at Lorient, there's, they all have weapons. And Khan have that too with Santini but, and Julian Ferre, but... Calm was not bad, winning at people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I'd, I'd say Con probably looked more likely to get sucked in than anybody else. It's outside of the current bottom three or bottom yeah, they, four. They're running out of steam, aren't they? I think a little bit in that. Yeah, at this time of season is not really. Was, was running. I yeah, mean, surely it, it can't. It can't play in their favor. They're already bottom, and with that, <laughs> you know, with that running, it just doesn't. I mean, on paper at least. I mean, maybe they'll Never. find some security results, but. I just don't see, you know, them getting something like ten points because I honestly believe that with with all that many sides being on thirty-one points, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the side who finishing eighteenth has between I don't know thirty-seven and forty points. Yeah, which is you know quite you know ten points from Bastia's level now, which means three wins. Yeah. Three wins out of the remaining six games, so I just can't quite see. Even though I'm very surprised that you know them 
when you get Dijon, and I think they don't, they don't, they don't give a great account of themselves um, on Sunday against against Lyon. Maybe do something in Bordeaux. Definitely against Rennes. Um, I just it, don't see that as being enough. I mean, I, I, yeah, the most I can see out of this is eight points, maybe. Maybe beat, beat yeah, Rennes and Lyon, Lorient, draw against Bordeaux and, and Lyon. PSG aren't going to want to let up. Marseille still don't have Europe wrapped up, and they had them on the last day. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Okay, the Bastion Carter this week, then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just try not to bet against the Furiani, or they, they might fight back a little bit. Um, that's all that we have time for this week. My thanks to Alex, Eric, and Philip for joining us. Uh, join us for the preview show hosted by Eric on Thursday, and we will see you here at the same time, same place, next week. Abianto, and goodbye.